and welcome to the Australians Teach English podcast, the podcast by language learners, with language learners, for language learners. My name is Glenn, and I'm the owner and director of the Australians Teach English Institute. And fair dankum, it's been a bit of a challenge getting my guest on the show from halfway from halfway around the world. But we've finally, we finally made it. We've finally made it. Fair dinkum, she is here. A fair dinkum Aussie, Romina. How are you today, Romina? I'm very good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. I'm very well. Thank you very much. So the time difference, it's been, well, been very difficult getting you on the show. It's about 12 hours, 11 hours difference. So where is it that you're living at the moment? Well, I'm living in your, ta- in your town, mate. Which, 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 which is? What, what is my hometown? Which is Fremantle in Fremantle. Western so Fre- Australia. So Frio is, is, is my hometown. It's where, it's, where my, it's where my heart is, definitely. So you have, you have an interesting, interesting journey about how you got to be living in, in Frio. Well, what is, what is your story? Where, where were you born? What did you do? And how did you get to Australia? Would you like me to tell you all the full story? Yes. Or you stop me when you when you want to. Um, I was born in Argentina. I'm a conurbano girl. Um, conurbano means um, um, the suburbs. People, the suburbs. It's not in the main city. It's around thirty kilometers, or maybe a little bit more, um, from the big city, from Buenos Aires city. It is close. We go to the city every day anyway. We study in the city. We work in the city, but it's it's a little bit few that you need to catch the train or sometimes the bus and the train or the train and the subway. Um, so I define myself as a city girl. And after a couple of twists and rounds and, and I end up on the countryside living in the country of Australia. <laughs> so, th- so there's a fair, there's a fair bit of time between being born in, in the suburbs of Buenos Aires and, and then getting to, to Australia. So, so what, happened, what happened in between? Well, my sister was living here for a while. Like she, she moved to Perth like 25 or something, 25, 20, 25 years ago. And as soon as they, and she started creating a family and having kids, um, apparently they, will, they were needing me more. They need um, um, some family connection. They, need, they so, needed an auntie to look after the kids. Is that, is that what you're telling me? I think so. <laughs> so they sent me the tickets and the visa one day because I didn't want to, to go. I didn't want to come to Australia um, over that time. I had my work and my house and everything there set up in Olivos in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And so they sent everything to me to make it easy for me to come. And I came to, to visit them and I then never went back. So not even for a holiday. You've never been back. Yes. Even I, I was. I went back every year for a holiday. But I mean, I stay uh, in Australia. You you fell in love with Australia. So you, so you were lucky enough that your your sister your sister married an, an Australian and then was able to 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 get you to Australia as well. So this is this yeah. is this is a common a common way that some people can actually get get yeah. to Australia. It's not as yeah. easy now as it used to be. 
maybe 20, 20 years ago or so, but it's still, it's still very much, it's still very much possible. So how yeah. long have you actually been living in Australia for now? 11 years. It, um, it, I think that um, it's easy when you want to migrate to a new country or when you want to go to live outside of your city or your town to go to a place where you have a connection. When someone invites you, when someone um, tells you, yes, come on over and I will help you with accommodation or with, to find some the first job at least or something to do at the beginning, it's easy for you to take the decision. So maybe even if you have the desire to go somewhere, sometimes it's difficult if you don't know anyone. And so if you have a brother or a sister or someone that is inviting you, it's a little bit easier to take the step. Yes, actually, it, it, it is a good, that is a good recommendation. Often people will, 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 will become friends with someone before they go backpacking to a, to a place like yeah. Australia. So, so at least yeah. when they arrive, they at least actually yeah. know someone. So this yeah. is a good strategy. And, that, and there's lots of different groups that can help you to, to, to meet people, lots of different forums of, of people saying, well, I'm going to arrive in Sydney yeah. at yeah. this Well, these days, Facebook, you've got so many groups and so it's easy to create some kind of connections just to start to have a, you know, a little bit of context. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you, had a, you had a career here in Argentina. What, what was it that you were doing here in Argentina? Uh, my career was in journalism. I work um, in media always, in newspapers and magazines and a um, lot of time relate, related with arts and culture. I work for universities, for cities, um, different things over the years. And I decided to migrate to Australia uh, being old, being 35 years <laughs> being old. Being old? Well, I'm 37 years old now, so. No, but you, you know what? <laughs> being old, I mean, like when, when you are more than 20, 25, um, the effort that you will put in the immigration process will be a lot harder than when you are young because when you are young, you are more flexible and it's easy to learn new things. You don't have so many memories and experience and it's easy to jump into something new. When you are 35 or even older, well, you know. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think, I think if, I, if I did what I did in the last few years, if I had come to a place like Argentina maybe 10 years ago, I think it would have been a lot, lot, lot harder for me than, than now. I think in, in a lot of ways it, it can help you. You can be a, a lot more resilient. Maybe you can be a little bit more, more patient, a little bit more understanding. I think the, these, are some, these are some things that, that can also help you. But, but it is true that, that the, old, the, the older that you get, especially in a place like Australia, the less opportunities there can be for, for immigration. So it becomes, yeah. it, if, if you don't have family, or well, even if you do have family, it can be actually harder. So there are different points levels the older that you get. So yeah. above 40 years old, for example, it's almost impossible to immigrate yeah. to, to Australia. No, any more visas. No, for Australia, there's no any more visas. Yeah. So, so the opportunity then is to go to, to, go to New Zealand. So... I mean, you, you can get a visa after 40, but it is very, very, very difficult. You can always get married. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm single, everybody. <laughs> there you go. Take a number. <laughs> yeah, get, get, get in line. Get in line. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> so, so then what, what was it that you were doing when you, when you arrived in Australia? Well, um, my sister and my brother-in-law used to have a coffee shop here in Fremantle Town, um, which is a beautiful small town. In those days, 11 years ago, it was a lot more hippier than now. Um, now it becomes more like a, like a Western town. But in those days, it was a hippie, hippie town, small and very Australian feeling. And there were not many coffee shops and or oh, restaurants. No, 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 I, I, no, I disagree. There were plenty. Yeah, because you are a local. <laughs> I, I disagree. So, so Fremantle is 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 very famous for it for it for its coffee, coffee shops. It always has been, and so there is a very famous place in Fremantle called the Cappuccino Strip, which is yep. which is the main road of of Fremantle, and you can sit outside, and yep. it's and it's lovely and and drink, and drink coffee and. And and this was actually yeah. really heavily influenced by by the Italian immigrants after after World War II. So some yeah. of the best Italian restaurants in in Australia are in this are in this area. Um, yes, because, sure. because of the history. But I mean, like the, like these days, um, I don't know for how long you didn't visit Fremantle, but these days it's all everything is is coffees, restaurants, and bars one yeah. next to each other. It's become a little bit more gentrified, perhaps we would call. Yeah. Yeah, um, this is this has kind of been a, a little bit of a, a debate with with Fremantle because it was yeah. always an alternative. It wasn't always yeah. an alternative place, and so and so one one of the issues was that there, there was kind of cultural battles to keep different things away. So what happened is that the the property prices in these areas skyrocketed, so that no no longer the 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 people that would normally come to Fremantle live in Fremantle are no longer really really there so so the only people that can generally afford to live in Fremantle are the very are the very wealthy so this has changed the dynamic of of Fremantle but it does certainly have a really interesting uh history Fremantle with with all this culture that's right that's right that's right yeah 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 so so people might be familiar with with Osho for example um so there's there's a few documentaries on on Netflix and things like this about about the orange people and so so there were there were there were two main centers really of of these of of the of the orange people one was in the United States and the other was in was in Fremantle so you can still actually find activities that have flowed on from 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 the Group. And still little ashrams and still little yeah spaces for meditation and yeah all type of um, that's why I call it hippie. Sorry if I it wasn't um, really right. Yeah, absolutely. No, it 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 always has had that 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 alternative culture even yeah. even before even before the orange people arrived. It was all because because it is a port town where ships come in. It always has had sort of that that mixture of different different cultures and perhaps yeah. people that are trying to escape from ships and things like this, vagrants and people that want to live an alternative. An alternative and it was lifestyle. always an in, immigrant town, Fremantle. It was Correct. always 
yeah. So um, in, in what, when you mentioned before in the Second World War or after the Second World War, um, um, Fremantle had a lot of Portuguese and, and Italians, migrants, while now probably there are more a mixture of plenty of different nationalities. But still over the years, there were, it, Fremantle is a town where it's open to immigrants. Correct. And, and even, uh, even if you go before this, and I think in one of our previous episodes, we talked about, we talked about the gold rush. So, so 120 years ago, there was the gold rush in, in Western Australia. And so the, the first place that people came was, was to Fremantle. So, so a lot of the, a lot of the buildings in Fremantle are, are from different, are from different periods of time, are yeah. from the different waves of immigration. So, so, we have the first period, the colonial period, which is sort of the, the very old, some of the oldest buildings in Australia, 200 and something years old. And then after that, sort of the next lot of buildings were built 120 years ago when the first 120, 130 years ago with the first gold rush. The post-war period from the, from the Italian, especially the Italian immigration, and since the 1980s as well. In, in the 1980s, we we held the America's Cup. We won the America's yeah. Cup, the sailing That's race. For the, yeah. So this was sort of like the an, an explosion of Australian culture kind of happened at, at, at this time. Yeah. And the America's Cup was a much bigger thing 40 years ago than it was, than now. it is now. Yeah. And so, so we had things like Paul Hogan saying, you know, throw another shrimp on the barbie. This we had, you know, I come from a land down under. All the music, the movies, all of this sort of stuff, Crocodile Dundee, all all of this sort of happened at the same period of time. Yeah, yeah. And Fremantle was another hub for all of this activity during during this period of time. Yeah. So so it has this interesting interesting history in its in its yeah. development. It's multicultural and it's um it's a nice town to arrive. So. Going back to my story, I I I, I, finish, I make it a little bit shorter. Um, my sister used to have this coffee shop called Fidel's because this is a funny side of the story. Um, um, my sister um, has a little dog, and my mother said, "Oh, that's a nice um, dog. It's a it's a fiel dog in Spanish, fiel." And my loyal. brother-in-law, loyal. And my brother-in-law, um, who is Australian, he thought, oh, Fidel, yeah, that's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> because the story is super funny. We, we named the coffee shop after the dog. After the Fidel. dog. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, ran a coffee shop. So when I, I first came to, to Fremantle, I, um, I used to run that coffee shop. And all my first steps, even in English, and I did it there in the coffee shop. So thanks to the customers. <laughs> so, so you were really, you were really thrown in the deep end. Oh yeah, you're you're, you're, you're given a sort of a, a fair dinkum, a fair dinkum welcome to Australia by being put in a coffee shop. And so, yeah. so how did you, how did you manage with your, with your language when you were running the, when you were running the coffee shop? Language and culture, because coffee shops in, in Australia are very important. Coffees are a main thing for Australians. Um, in Argentina, we had um, cafe con leche, uh, flat white maybe, 
Um, or maybe in US you have their black coffee and that's it. You don't have many options. But Australians has flat whites, latte, um, cappuccinos, short mac, uh, long macs, and I don't know how many more. And I didn't even know what was the difference. <laughs> so, so this is this is another interesting thing with with Australia's immigration, like the the food and the beverage culture. Has has is really really unusual and different. So so the flat white that you mentioned there um, is actually an Australian invention, and it comes from really the the mixture of Italian Greek and yeah. especially Italian Im- immigrants actually changing the way that coffee is made and using you know different products from Australia of high quality. So then we've yeah. exported the flat white to the rest of the the rest of the world. So every every time you drink a flat white or you order a flat white, you you can know that that is actually from Australia. A local coffee, a fair dinkum coffee. Yeah, a fair dinkum Australian coffee. Yeah, <laughs> Ab- absolutely. So so apart apart from this, what were some of the other challenges that you that you faced? A part of the language. <laughs> no, the language is obviously the main thing that we're interested in. So ap- apart from the the different types of coffees that were that baffled you that you well, did. Well, as Australia has different type of coffees and different type of food and different type of um, accents and stuff like that. Um, for me, I believe that the most difficult part was to create relationships. It still is. Um, I find myself without not so many friends as. Um, I had in my previous places where I where I used to live, you know, like um, um, it's difficult to make friends um, when there are a language barrier um, and English is not your only language barrier. Even your own language could be a language barrier because a person that speaks your, uh, I my first language is Spanish, of course. So a person that speaks Spanish, but it is from uh, Venezuela or Panama or Cuba or, or Peru, um, it, it's not really the same language. So there is still a language barrier and it's difficult to create connection. That's, I think that's, that's a more difficult part of, of, of migrate um, to a new place and being in a new place. My question would be, do do you think this is your circumstance or do you think this is a circumstance that that most people face? Well, that's a difficult question. I can know about the others. Oh, I want Uh, you to tell me what you think. um, I think that language, it is definitely a barrier and and it's difficult. My husband is German. Her, her, uh, his first language is German. So we are both speaking a second language to communicate between ourselves. <laughs> a German no? and, an Argent- and an Argentinian get together. <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> how, how unusual. How unusual. Um, it's a good combination, honestly. But yeah, um, when you... Um, both are from different places are you are interacting on 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 another language yes there is a difficulty and i think that everybody find this difficulty probably some people got less issues or some people um are you know less worried about um i don't know um their own things or the other people yeah i i think i think this i think this is a challenge that anyone faces moving to another country I think um, 
for for example, in our in our previous episode, Seppo, when I when I talked to my friend from Evan from the United States, I mean, there, there are lots of things that I would say that <laughs> that he doesn't understand, and with my my friend Rebecca as well. So so I can say some things, and they have absolutely no idea what it is that I'm. And they are native English speakers. And the native English speakers. So so we have a habit of of putting everyone in the in the same basket. Yeah. So everyone that speaks English is exactly the same. Everyone that speaks Spanish or Castellano is exactly the same. And it's not and it's exactly. not true. Exactly. And it's also not true with within within our own countries. And and I, and I think that that's that's uh, is 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 because of how the culture influence the language and the way that you think on the words that you are on how you are expressing certain ideas with certain words. So uh, uh, probably an Argentinian is a little bit more direct and straightforward than someone from Venezuela that has a different way to communicate because they are so polite and so nice. And then fi they find Argentinians rude, <laughs> you know? Um, that's an example. But I mean, um, so we are speaking the same language, but the way that I, I ask for a glass of water, it will be a lot more direct. And they will say more like, please, um, I don't know. Uh, yes, so, so you would, so I mean, mo most, most Spanish speakers or Castellano speakers might say, me gustaría. But in but in but in Argentina, I I would say quiero, quiero. Which, which which would be, in English the the translations of this would be I would like a glass of water yeah. or, or I want, want a glass of water. <laughs> so so you can see how this would be interpreted um, differently, but it is just it is um, it is just a normal part of the language. Yeah. And certainly when I came to Argentina, and I think most people find this, even if they are speakers of Spanish. They find that this directness quite, quite unusual. Yeah. The interesting thing is that I know Spanish learners from outside. They actually that speak English. They actually find this manner of speaking and reading a lot easier to understand. The direct it, one. The the directness is actually, it, and I think it probably is. It is true. It is actually a little bit easier to to learn, to learn it in this in this way. So th there are advantages and disadvantages in in sort of e in each culture and each style of of, of communication. Of course, I think I think one huge difference between um, perhaps Latin culture and especially Ar Argentine culture and Australian culture is is sort of the the level of of socialization. I think uh -huh. in Argentina, in Argentina, it's very easy to talk to people. It's very easy to meet new people. And in Australia, I think it's the complete opposite. Mm. It's like it, it is, it is the polar opposite. So it's not just, it's not just a language thing. You might, you might have the perception that it's a language barrier, but I would, I would offer the opinion that it is a, it is a cultural barrier as well. I mean, Australians are renowned for their reservedness, their coldness. Okay. So I think, um, you know, they've done studies of 
people and their personal space, how much personal space everyone feels comfortable with from different countries. And I think Australia's average is that they need a metre and a half or two metres of personal space to feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really interesting that you mentioned because um, even when you said hello or goodbye to an Australian person, a native Australian person, you don't touch them. You you um, You don't give them the hand or you less a hug or a kiss forget it you can't do that you know (laughs) they will be shocked if you do that while in Argentina if you don't don't hug or don't kiss or don't at least give offer your hand to someone it's bad education it's like what's going on with this person extraordinarily rude rude and he's upset or what's going on she went like wow yeah so that that space that there are between people um, creates a barrier of coldness, maybe. Yes. Um, and and that yeah, it make a, a huge a huge impact. Yeah. So, so I think when we are communicating with 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 different speakers, it's worthwhile just you know take taking a step back mm. and thinking actually, what is it that is that is going on here? Is it that I am? Is it that I am speaking badly? Is it that the person can't understand? I mean, often when when we are travellers, our first our first instinct is to think that we're doing something wrong. Wrong. That that is sort of our, our natural instinct. Okay, so I've said something wrong. The person can't understand me. Yeah. But maybe this is not the case. Yeah. Maybe there's just something unusual. It's not. Yeah. It's not necessarily good or bad. It's just something. That perhaps the other person is not is not familiar with. Yeah, and I think especially in Australia, when you are speaking with someone from Australia, often when they hear your accent, even though you are a fair dinkum Aussie, what often is their first reaction when when you speak to someone in Australia? Is that a question? Yeah, it's a question to you. Um, well, you can have different options. Um, some, yeah, as, as you well said before, some people are very distant and it's difficult to, to make friends with Australians. But on another hand, they are friendly and, and they want also, they are curious and they also are interested on, on, on get to know you better and, and, and learn about where you are coming from and how you are and, and why you are so different and why you are here. That's the first <laughs> Yeah. I think that's a universal uh, question. I, yes. <laughs> what are you doing in this? What are you doing? Why are you, what are you doing here? And so, so if if you find this this type of Australians, it's great. You straight away you communicate, and they don't mind your accent. Um, they make the effort, and they put their fifty percent. Um, to 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 communicate and you establish a nice um, fluid communication, and it's all good. Um, on the, the other it's side, all, it's all good. You're learning some Australian expressions. <laughs> you, you, it's all good. We we even have an episode on that. I think yeah, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, and so so what what is the opposite of this? If someone hears your oh, accent yeah. and and reacts, yeah, on, the, on, on the other hand, you sometimes you go and and, and initiate a, a, a conversation with someone, and they are the other type of Australians. The Australians that 
um, are not so friendly and they are not so open and they are not so um, keen on having people from other places. And who knows what's happening in their heads? I, I, I can't say that, but um, the, straight away they create a barrier in front of you. And, and they show that barrier with um, a, um, a non-verbal communication. So they, um, they, they make you feel and they um they they make it very obvious with fa facial expression or even with body expression corporal expressions that they are not getting you at all they are not making the effort to understand your accent they are not interested to know where are you from or why you are here so as soon as this happens it's, it's a feeling you can see feel the tension in 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 that communication and the communication gets a uh, 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 um, uh, gap yeah, is broken. It's, it's lost in the middle. It, it doesn't happen. And it's not any more fluidity. It's not any more um, two ways. Do, do, you um, think, so, do you think this is only in Australia? No, this is the most common thing in the world. You got these two types of persons in every place that you go. Probably. You need to be ready for the friendlies and you need to be ready for people that won't be happy for you to be there. Exactly. I can remember a story when, when we went traveling in, in France. And I think the assumption in France is if you're speaking English, they just assume you're from England. Oh, <laughs> and so, and so, they, so, they, so they don't want to talk to you. And oh. then you say, and then you say, no, 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 it's 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 okay. I'm I'm Australian. And and then oh. they start, and then they start to, <laughs> they, their their expression changes, and they start to talk to you in fluent English. They know perfectly well. Of course they you, can. They just don't want to speak to English people. Of course so, they can. So it's quite it's quite strange how 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 this can change. Yeah. But I I mean the, the French English example is probably an unusual one. But I think I think I I've certainly experienced this here. In, in Argentina more in, in the provinces, certainly more than than in the big in the big cities. Um, but I think the, the reasons why people would react like this would be the same whether you're or not you're in Australia or whether you're not you're here in, in Argentina. What do you what do you think is behind that in Australia? Why do you think a lot of Australians react like that? I think that it's just um we are all humans some people um, are not really open to get to know different different people or, or people from other places I, I, I don't I, I don't want to put it in different because we are not different but um, but some people are more open to the interactions and to be open and other ones are not really interested and there's no any explanation. It's like probably a cultural thing. Probably you are more ready to, you know, to be friendly and probably you are not. Yeah, I, I think in, at least in, in Australia. experiences maybe. Yeah, I think in, in Australia and in Argentina, it's probably the case as well. I mean, we're, we're both countries from far away from, from other places, a long yeah. way away from other places. So probably your experience in Australia is that um, you probably don't really meet a lot of people that speak other languages, at least, yeah. at least not Australians that you know were born in Australia. So, what do you think about that? Could that be a reason? 
Yeah, that could be a reason. Sometimes um, speaking two languages is so powerful that we don't, bilingual people, even if you has this strong accent, but I am a bilingual person. And when you are a bilingual, you have a secret power. It's a very powerful thing have a second language super powerful thing and you don't realize till you become a a, a a bilingual person and it's it's the best thing that you can do in your life to become a bilingual um why because then what happened you confront this other person that only can speak one only language and and they feel in a sense um threat by you because you know more you know you you manage a, a tool that they they don't and it, it, for people that are not bilingual it's so difficult to understand how you are doing it how you can think on do you think in 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 spanish but you speak in english are you translating in your mind all the time how, how, how you can deal with both things at the same time so maybe that is is scary for some I, I agree. I think especially in Australia that it that is really what it is, is that because in, in Australia, and we talk about this on the show quite a lot, is that basically no one in Australia speaks a second, speaks a second language unless they are born outside of Australia. Unless you're an immigrant. Yeah, unless you're an immigrant. Yeah. So, so, so the, the, there's a sort of a, a saying in Australia, there's only two two types of people that speak another language in Australia children of immigrants or people that go to yeah. private schools. <laughs> so if you're kind of in, the, if you're kind of in the middle, like, like me, you, you don't, you don't grow up speaking any other language. You don't even, you basically don't even learn another yeah. language. Yeah. So, so it, Australian education is very, very different to, to most places in the world. And so yeah. when, when people have someone else speaking with an accent, but also yeah. probably speaking well, in English, this creates a lot of insecurities for the other person. And so Australians are very sensitive about their, about their intellect. I think like a a lot of colonial, a lot of colonial cultures are. So, so forever Australians have been told that you're, they're stupid or, or whatever. So this kind of gets stuck into your stuck into your mind it's certainly something yeah, that I, no. i've experienced here in, in argentina with with especially people from england they immediately think because you're australian or you have an australian accent that you're an idiot <laughs> yeah it's true i mean sometimes also when when it's good to, to speak about these type of things because we need to get over the, uh, those issues because how you can say that because you're australia you're an idiot it's impossible, you know. Like it's it's can be can be true. In there's yeah, not when, any. Well, when I when I first had an interview here for for a for an institute here in Argentina, the the owner was a was was a, an English person with a sort of a Cambridge Oxford accent or whatever, and he asked me what what education I had, and I said, well, I have a I have a postgraduate degree, I have a master's, and he said, ah. Oh, they have they have universities in Australia now. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, and I just thought, well, that's kind that is sort of like the the stereotypical kind of English person yeah. attitude. Yeah. Um, and and you do experience this from other 
it, it doesn't matter if there are other English speakers or 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 other or, yeah. or speakers of a different language. You, you're going to come across this this attitude, yeah. and it, and and I think that the lesson is, and and probably every language learner experiences this, is it says more about the other person than it says about you. Exactly. And exactly. and so I think you know this you know this creates a little bit of a problem okay so immediately we think there's something that we're doing wrong yeah and this then makes us more nervous yes and we start to make mistakes exactly and so it, and this is the other thing when you are nervous and you're speaking in in your first language i know that when i'm nervous sometimes i'm nervous doing this show and i make mistakes yeah but because it's my first language, I don't sit there and think, oh, I made a mistake. Yes, exactly. I just, I just keep going. But when you make a mistake in your second language, there's something, there is something different that happens in your brain. I think there, there is, you know, you start going, you know, what are you doing? You're making mistakes. Except that sort of internal voice in your head starts going into, into overdrive. Of course. And of course. I think this is, this is something that I, that I tell my students all the time is that we're much more critical in our, yeah. we're much more critical in our second language than we are in our, than we are in our first. Yes. And, and after a while, um, I was living in Australia for 11 years. And uh, as I said before, so after a while that you were speaking this, the other language, um, you know when you make a mistake and you know that certain things are stuck in, in, as, a, as mistakes and, and you know that you have to fix them. But sometimes if you are nervous, you should say it wrong. And, there's, and, you, and you know instantly and you say, oh, <laughs> you know, like, um, and there's nothing that you can do. You just <laughs> breathe and relax. <laughs> so, so what, what, would you, you, what would your advice be when we're making mistakes in our second language? Like what, what would you say to someone that is laugh. talking to you in, in for make example? Make fun of yourself. Make fun and of laugh. yourself. Yeah, right. laugh. And make it obvious because it's obvious, you know. Whatever doesn't matter. Make it obvious. I think that the, the 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 great advice for people that want to be become bilingual or to want to learn a second language is is that be brave, make the mistakes because that's the only way that you can speak in another language. Make the mistakes and and speak with mistakes. The other person has to make the effort to understand you, and if they don't want to. Goodbye. <laughs> <That's my dad. laughs> Go and look for another person that is more friendly. <laughs> and and I think I think although we we say that sort of Argentina and perhaps I think even Latin culture and Australian culture sort of in, in general are, are polar opposites. Perhaps even even and probably a lot of cultures are polar opposites to to Australian culture. Um, but there is certainly one thing, and, and this is why I think I fell in love with, with, with Spanish culture and, and Latin culture, is that the level of humour between Australians and, and, and speakers of Spanish is quite, is quite similar. And I think this has certainly helped me to learn. I'm, I'm not sure if you've recognised, but Australians are very good at making, making fun sure. of themselves. Yes. And do you, do you think the sense of humour is similar between 
Argentinians and, and Australians? Um, sometimes. Um, it, again, depends on who is in front of you. Eh? Um, but yeah, um, yeah, Australians has a lot of sense, sense of humor and they can make fun of themselves. Um, um, I find that maybe uh, Australians are a lot more naive and innocent while um, I can't talk about all Latin world because that's too big, but Argentinians are a lot more, um, <laughs> I don't know, violent maybe. Um, I wouldn't say violent. I would say maybe sort of perhaps more aggressive with their interactions. <laughs> and, and you don't mind make, making fun of someone that is fat or blind or bold or, I don't know, has an imperfection or a, you know, physical thing. You don't mind. It's like, let's hit him hard. When in Australia, it's like, <laughs> oh, let's stop. You know, we are, bull we are being bullies. Like, let, let's don't hurt their feelings, you know. You don't make fun of those type of things. Oh, well, you've never, pl you've never played sport in Australia, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> because that is because that is the one time where you are allowed to do that in Australia. <laughs> so, so I mean, we, we, we've been talking about about you know you being a fair fair dinkum Aussie, and 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 this word fair dinkum. What? Why did you? Why did you like this word? And are there any other Australian expressions that that you really like? Um. Well, because they are native expressions, and if you can manage the native expressions, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm a local also, you know, I can understand what they are saying. It's not only the English that I read in the books. And so that's a good thing. Um, when you feel like when someone tells you a fair thing, you are a fair thinker, or you did something fair thinker, or let's, let's have a fair thinker beer, or something like that, is it's like you are doing something original or you are doing something real. Um, um, of course, you feel good if that, that happens and if they, that, if they make that comment about you or about something around you. So, um, yeah, there's a, when they call you mate, also you feel like, yeah, I'm a mate. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> so you, felt, you feel like you're fair dinkum when someone calls you, when someone calls you mate. Hey. You feel yes. like you feel like you're a fair yeah, <laughs> yeah ab absolutely absolutely and I think I think this is a this is another another good one There's, there are a, I mean uh, there, there is a reason why we 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 like translating these into Lunfaro or or or, or Argentinian Castellano but because there is a lot of direct translations from from Australian expressions that don't really exist in other in other English, Spanish. in Spanish or, or other English. English languages. But there is a really good word that translates pretty much directly into Lunfaro. What, what, how would you translate fair dinkum? Um, maybe something that is um, a, a posta. Posta. Maybe something that is, um, yeah, um, yeah, could be posta. Yeah, exactly. That that would be the direct translate. Would be how I translate it. The the yeah. only, the only difference really is that fair dinkum is kind of an, an adjective, whereas yeah. pasta is is more of a is more of a noun. But we can we can use it to create noun phrases like a fair dinkum good bloke. Yeah, yeah, and pasta as well as it is not not really a 
uh, Spanish is some some lunfardo, as you well said. Um, you can twist it a little bit and use it as an adjective as well. Yes. So so like you might go to an Australian restaurant or something and it might be the, the fair dinkum steak or the fair dinkum burger yeah. or, or yeah. whatever. And you will yeah. know that it will have everything. It will be sort of like a serious a serious plate with lots and lots and lots of food. Yeah. And, and like white. <laughs> and, and here in Argentina, like it, it's quite fashionable now, hamburgers and things like this. And you might go to a restaurant and, and they might have a burger called La, La Posta, mm. which would be the literally the Australian equivalent of the Fair Dingham Burger or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that if, if someone invites you to have a choripan, which is a sausage on a, on a bread, they will say, let's have a really posta, posta choripan. <laughs> no, not, not, not one from Bunnings. No one from Bunnings. Is the sausage from Bunnings, is that La Posta? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, it's not fair income. It's not fair income, <laughs> is it? It's definitely not fair income. So it's not La Posta. Yeah. No, but if but you, you were, know, like, yeah, it, it, it's similar. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a similar thing. Yeah, 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 very close. Yeah. So, so yeah, is there is there anything else that you would like to say out there? Would you like to say hello to your sister? My sister, I saw her every day. Oh. See, so this is this is a so this is a very different cultural thing. So <laughs> it's yeah, I know. Never. Like yeah, never. So so it's quite common here. I think probably in a lot of places. Or how is your mum doing? Or how is your family? You say, I don't know. I haven't spoken to them for two weeks. Exactly. <laughs> and 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 I think in most countries they sort of look at you and think, oh, that's that's kind of a bit that's kind of a bit strange. Um, yeah. But I think for, for a lot of people around the world, it's shocking in Australia that um, um, your parents live in in um, homes for for all for all people or for it's something that Argentinians doesn't do at all. You know, you 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 bring your parents to your house, or you live, or you visit them, or you help them in some way, but you don't you don't make your parents live by themselves in a house with an. That's really 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 different. And I pick up my nephews from the school as many times as I can. I visit them all the time. They came to my house all the time. I visit my sister continuously. The relationship is a lot closer. Um, yeah, yes. we are very much in touch. And, and I think this is a this is a, this is another sort of form of that that kind of the the, the difference between sort of the closeness when you get to yeah. Australia, everything is kind of distant and reserved. And I think mo most people that come to Australia, it doesn't matter where they're from. Um, we'll, we'll see that as a little bit, as a little bit strange that okay. you don't, that you don't talk to your brother and your mother and your dad every single, yeah. every single day. Yeah. This, this strikes people as quite, yeah. quite unusual. Yeah. Very unusual. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. this episode has been a, a fair dinkum good episode. It's been, it's been La Posta. It's, yeah. it's I, <laughs> so so hopefully the our, our listeners out there have have had have had a good listen and have and have and have been able to learn something in a fair hopefully. in a fair dinkum manner. 
yeah. and that they have a fair dinkum good time putting, putting this expression, these words into practice. And we would also like to hear about, about your stories of when you've gone to another place. What, what things did you find difficult? How did this, how did this make you feel as a, as a language learner? And what, what are some tips to overcome, overcome these difficulties? We would really, really love to hear from you. Um, maybe, um, maybe, yes, if you are thinking of going to a new place, maybe it's good to have a connection to make a start. Um, instead of going all by yourself, it's really difficult when you arrive to a place and you are all by yourself. It takes a long time or it, it takes a while uh, for you to settle. And so um, I feel like sometimes it's good to have at least one connection um, to make a start and find a little bit of work and um, yes. So, 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 so this is this is an interesting one. Dif- different strategies that people have used when they've gone oh, yeah. to, to different to different countries. For example, Evan, my friend, he he made a point of of not talking to to people from the United States. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as as a way of of learning of learning Spanish more quickly, but that can be very mentally. That can hard. be very mentally hard. Yeah. But then other people have said, oh, I went to Australia and I only spoke to people that spoke French or spoke German. They only spoke my language, so I never got to practice English. Oh well. Yeah. So this is, well, the, this is, this is the, these are these are the two, these are kind of the two extremes. Yeah, and, and also it always depends on what's the interest of your trip. If you are going to study um, English or, or whatever, Spanish or any other language. Maybe, yes, you need to fully expose yourself to the language, but it, it doesn't hurt you if you go with a couple of friends for a beer and have a small chat and relax and have fun because it will help you to recover and to get strong again, to get back to the Absolutely. language yeah. confrontation. Because what happened at the beginning when you are um, all the time in a, in another language, living in a different language, is that you have headaches and you and you are and you can cope. You feel like you are overwhelmed because you, you, you get e- you get exhausted. Yeah, certainly at, oh. at the at the end of the day, like I, I I maybe will watch some TV or something in in English just to get just to get a rest. Yes, exactly. When you finish work, what do you do? You go into your car and play the radio in your language because you need <laughs> yeah. you, you need life. a bit of a mental you need a bit of a mental rest. So mm-hmm. so so we we've spoken we've also spoken about this before in previous episodes. There, there's a physical limit to what you can actually do. Yeah. And yeah. and don't be so harsh on yourself. We often think, well, I'm gonna study for eight hours a day, ten hours a day. It's not realistic. No, no, no. So no. so so get have a little bit more perspective uh, yeah. about these things and, and make it easier on yourself because we are hard enough on ourselves as it is. Yeah. And, and, and so th- we, we don't want this to get in the way of actually achieving what we want to achieve, no. which is to improve, no. and improve as soon our as language. You recover and, and you, and you um, go back to your language and just have a little bit of re- mental rest, you are ready to to pick up again your second language and you are ready for more, but you need to have that break because it's too much otherwise. Absolutely. It, the, the, there's, one, there's one thing in the research that above, above all else says that that helps our, our learning ability more and it, is, and it is sleeping and resting. 
that, exactly. is, that, is, that is the number one thing that helps you to learn more. You know, I love music and I, I always make the comp, comp, comparison mm-hmm. um, of um, uh, learning to play an instrument or to, to, to play music with learning um, a, a language. I feel like it's the same um, kind of exercise. And I play, ba- I play bass guitar. And when you play any instrument, in my instruments is, is bass guitar, um, you can't do, overdo it. There's a point that you need to stop because your fingers are hurting, your hands are hurting, the instrument is too heavy, you need to rest. With the language, it's the same. Yes. You have to make a break. Yes, exactly. Ariana, my co-host, and I, we often talk, we often talk about this because we, we both dance. And so the, uh, maybe after an hour, I, I dance flamenco and it's really physically hard. Exactly. And, so, and so after an hour, often my teachers will say, come on, Glenn, you, 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 you're doing well. Let, let, let's keep going. And I'll say, no, I'm, my feet are not, are not responding to me anymore. I, I, know, I, know, I know my limits. Like if I keep going, it's, it's going to make me feel I, I know where I am. Like yeah. this, is, yeah. this, this is it for today. And yeah. sort of and and knowing where where this is, but also being able to actually learn languages through other activities is a great way. It is languages, whether it's it dance, whether it's any activity, any activity will help you. Absolutely. Even working, even working, um, if you have the opportunity to work as a in a coffee shop or in a shop or in any simple work in non a professional work will help you because it will expose you to a natural way of using the language. Correct. And that's why you really need um, you you really need the exercise of the natural way of using the language. Um, another thing is when you work professionally and you are eight hours working professional, um, exhaust you. Your brain is like, please let's go home. <laughs> Absolutely. 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 Even if, so, even so, if you are. Well. So it's time. So it's time for us to go home. So thank you very much for, for tuning in everyone. Thank you very much, Romina. For thank you for having me. Thank week. you very much for inviting me and for wait for me for so long. Thank no, you. no, it was absolutely, absolutely worth the wait. So, so f- until next time where we have another fair dinkum guest on the show, it's us from the Australians teach English podcast, the podcast by language learners with language learners for language learners saying goodbye. Goodbye. Ciao. For more information about the Australians Teach English Institute, go to australiansteachenglish.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube at Australians Teach English.